So do you think you can just uh, believe something by just making yourself believe, your will to believe it? <clears throat> do you think that's possible? Well, good morning. I'm Kevin Scheid, and I've been a member here 27 years, and uh, this is the first time I'm given a sermon. So I take this as being a... <clears throat> It's kind of a special occasion, or maybe they were desperate, but I think I'm going to stick, stick with special. <clears throat> so maybe you can bow your heads and pray with me. Lord God, we come before you and just thank you for your presence. And I, I just pray for this congregation. I pray that their love may grow and their faith may grow. And I pray that you guide my words <clears throat> and open the ears and open the hearts for your word. We ask this all in your name. So I picked that video for a couple of reasons. Um, one, people seem like they've been kind of down and I just want to remind them of Christmas and make them happy. And, and I see some smiles out there, even under the mask, that's really great. But, but also, I think to a certain extent, this seems to reflect uh, society's kind of belief of what faith is. And it even seems to be creeping in to what Christians believe faith is. So I wanted to kind of go over what is faith, how do you get it, and how do you strengthen it? And I wanted to start out with a definition, and it's interesting how uh, over the years, word, the meaning of the words change, right? And I've taken this, this de uh, definition from 1828. This is Noah Webster's original dictionary. So just, I don't want you to memorize this, or just get the feel of what this is saying. Faith is the ascent of the mind to the truth of divine revelation on the authority of God's testimony accompanied with the cordial assent of the will or approbation of the heart, an entire confidence or trust in God's character and declarations and in the character and doctrines of Christ with an unreserved surrender of the will to his guidance and dependence on his merits for salvation. So that's pretty powerful. Now, let me just contrast that with a definition from the, from the internet. Okay, so this, this is from the uh, free dictionary on the internet. 13 billion people go to this, uh, 13 billion hits, 13 billion. Okay, so this isn't some just, you know, nobody knows about. So here it is. Faith is a strong or unshakable belief in something, especially without proof or evidence. A conviction of the truth of certain doctrines of religion, especially when this is not based on reason. Okay, so that, that's kind of the society's attitude towards faith. It's kind of believing in fairy, fairy tales. Uh, and I think that's creeping in to what Christians believe. Because I've, I've talked to some people and, uh, and they, they kind of... I, maybe they're getting it mixed up with, with blind obedience, but I don't think so, because they usually point to this definition. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. Okay, well, first of all, this really applies to any kind of faith, and it can be a blind faith. It would apply to Santa Claus, right? But it also does not exclude proof or reason, okay? And, you know, to some extent, I also believe that um, 
things you believe and cannot see, I mean, there's a lot of those, right? There's, a, well, gravity. You can't really see it, and you don't need proof. You believe it. It's not blind faith that there's gravity. And there's emotions, sound, life, smell, taste, energy, heat, cold, magnetism, radio waves. So there's a lot of things. You can go on and on. So it doesn't require um, blind faith to believe in something you don't see. All right. Well, let me give you a little story on, on my blind faith. I grew up uh, in a Catholic uh, home, went to 12 years of Catholic school. By the time I was in eighth grade, I wanted to be a priest. I told my, uh, my parents I wanted to just skip the, the regular high school and go right to a seminary high school. They said, well, why don't you wait a little bit? And it was probably a good thing, <clears throat> because when I went to high school, I found out that uh, a lot of what I'd, I'd learned in grade school was wrong. I mean, there was just, and, you know, if a lot of it was wrong, I just rejected it all. <clears throat> but in things uh, like, <clears throat> well, prayer was just the mantra of, of reciting Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. So I spent hours and hours and hours of my life just repeating that. And I felt kind of like a fool, so I, I swore that I will never believe anything unless there's a good reason for it. <clears throat> so I think that's what blind faith can do to you, okay? So flash forward 15 years, I'm in the Coast Guard in Kodiak, and I've got all these Christians around me that wanted to prove to me that, there's, that God is real. And you know, granted, I'm kind of annoying, and uh, <coughs> I always argue with them, sort of like it, and, and felt like I could usually win the arguments, and, and, uh, but they kept on coming around. And, and finally, <coughs> I was seasick for like three weeks, and I was just ready to die. And, and somebody said, well, why don't you pray about it? Well, I don't, well, I don't believe in praying, you know. I said, well, just try it. <clears throat> so I did, and it was like that, no more seasickness. It just went away. And I had to deal with that. And, and I think that's when it kind of became real to me. It opened a book, and it started a journey of discovering what the real truth was. Okay, so that's my blind faith story. But I think there's a lot more in the Bible that it says about faith. And let me just kind of focus on two areas. One is, <clears throat> there's different levels of faith. Okay, so uh, going to Matthew 8, 26. And he said to them, why are you... Oh yeah, okay, well that's a little bit more than what I had, but <clears throat> why are you timid? You men of little faith. Okay, and th this was when they were in uh, in a storm and they thought they were about, about to die and, and they were afraid, you know. I can uh, relate to that. But he's talking to the, uh, to the disciples about this. And then the next verse was, uh, then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. And this is after he'd send the disciples out and they were healing the sick and they were uh, driving out demons, but they got one particularly nasty one and they had little faith. So he's telling the disciples who are doing all this stuff that they have little faith. <clears throat> I mean, so maybe we actually have a little room to grow our own faith. <clears throat> so, um, how do you grow your faith? Well, <clears throat> so there's also in the Bible, you know, we also, Thank God uh, for, for 
What do you got? Second Thessalonians 1.3. Do you have that up there, Tim? <clears throat> we have to always, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing. More and more, the love all of you have for one another is increasing. And also uh, Hebrews 11.6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So, if faith is blind and it has no reason or no proof, how do you go from weak to strong? How do you grow your faith? Do you become more blind? Do you use less reason or less proof? That doesn't make any sense. The only way you can grow your faith is to have reason behind it. More reason, more proof. Open your eyes, okay? Um, so let's, let's take a look at the practical, how do you actually grow your faith? And I'm gonna kind of refer to um, how through the millennia, philosophers have determined how people believe in anything. Okay, and they've been discussing this since Plato, right? And there's, there's four ways of doing that. And actually three of them go back thousands of years and one of them just came up right about the same time as uh, Noah Webster's dictionary definition. <clears throat> but so the first three are, are kind of um, something that's been uh, believed for years and years. So starting out, the first one is divine revelation. So people for, for millennia have realized that God communicates with you through divine revelation. And, and not to get into all the details on the secular side, but you know, philosophers realize that people understand the difference between good and evil to start out with. Every, people know murder is bad. And that's one of the areas of divine revelation. But let me just move to the Bible and some quotes, uh, some verses there. Uh, in Romans 1.20, I think is a good one. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Okay, that's divine revelation that there is a God. And the next verse is uh, Romans 10, 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Okay, so our faith in Christ then comes through the word. So that's divine revelation. Now let me add, that, add to that prayer. That's when you're talking to God and listening to God. So divine revelation uh, is coming through that. And, and let me just put in a little plug here for my, uh, my Saturday morning Bible study group. Because every morning we come with no preparation, we just read the word. And uh, just about every time we do that, <clears throat> we'll read something that, that I've seen a hundred times and I will, I will uh, discover something new. And I can only explain that through divine revelation. And, and most everybody there believes the same thing, that, that they're hearing from God when they read the word. Okay, a second area where you uh, create beliefs or you, you get beliefs is through reason. So if it makes sense to you, you believe it. Math is an example of that, all right? Now, there are, there are no specific verses in the Bible that addresses this. The whole Bible is, is kind of 
in that category, all right? And there's people that, that work with this, uh, uh, apologetics, right? They've written books about it, C.S. Lewis, Josh McDowell, there's a couple of them right there, <clears throat> that take this and show how reasonable and true the Bible is. Kind of this thing of, of uh, uh, believing through blind faith doesn't really hold up to that. Okay, and another thing that kind of bothers me a lot is I don't know how Christians ever got on the other side of science. To me, science supports our belief. You know, it, it's not a, either you believe in science or you believe in Christianity, it's just the opposite. Uh, and one of those organizations that we've worked with before, uh, Reasons to Believe, and let me just read their mission, mission statement, which I think is pretty interesting. <clears throat> we make every effort to help people discover that sound reason and scientific research consistently affirm the truth of the Bible and of the good news it reveals. So these are a bunch of PhD scientists that take anything you find in science and show you how that lines up. So this idea that science and, and faith are, are opposed to each other just doesn't make any sense. And, and <clears throat> I mean, it's really pretty obvious if you just look for it, if you're seeking it, you can find that. Okay, so we have divine revelation, we got reason. The third area is experience. If you experience something, then you tend to believe it. You grab the bare wires and you get electrical shop, you, you believe in electricity. I mean, I remember when I was little, my mom told me, don't touch the iron, it's hot. I didn't believe her, I touched the iron, then I believed. <laughs> so that's, that's an, I mean, that's how you uh, believe things, you experience it. Um, we, we can experience God's presence, his love, his power, his uh, patience, his mercy. We can experience that, especially experience that in prayer. We listen to God, we can experience that, that's a real thing. Uh, we can also experience, outside of prayer, we can experience his wrath or his anger. We can experience a lot of, of God. And, and I think there's uh, answered prayer is another big part of that experience. Now, um, a couple of verses on there I just wanted to, to share with you. Um, Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Okay, so there's a little bit of a paradox there, I understand. Do you have to believe before you can get an answer to a prayer? <clears throat> well, first of all, it didn't really say that yet. You know, prayers are not necessary. Prayers are answered if you don't believe. I mean, I just gave you an example for me, where I, I was a non-believer. I prayer, prayed, and it, it was answered. So that can happen. Um, but you know, if you don't believe, you're probably not going to pray anyway, generally. But I, so I, I think this really applies more to believers. And have you ever had a problem and tried everything you could think of? and then prayer was the last thing. You know, that, to me that's kind of denotes that the belief was not all that strong. So sometimes maybe our, our faith is a little weak and that's what causes that. <clears throat> but there's other problems with prayer and one of them is that we don't give God credit. 
So we'll, we'll be desperate, we pray for something, the prayer is answered, and then we kind of celebrate, wow, I pulled it through, you know? You give yourself credit. Uh, the other thing is we forget. We pray, it's answered, and it, that might happen 100 times in the month, and then you, for, you forgot them all. You know, taking, uh, keeping a journal or something usually would help that. <clears throat> but there's another area where if prayers are not answered, Okay, so um, let me just give you a little example, <clears throat> and this is my experience with this, and I know a lot of you have heard about my granddaughter, Millie, and uh, she, she was, uh, before she was born, she had a stroke and, uh, you know, terrible damage to her brain, and, and the doctor said there's, you know, three things they look at, and if any one of them is, is really bad, then there's no chance of recovering, and all three of these were bad, and there's just no hope. So I struggled a little bit. How do you pray for this? I mean, what I really wanted to pray for that it didn't happen. I mean, then you're not, you know that's not going to happen. I mean, it already happened. Uh, and, and in a way, I also wanted to pray for total recovery on this. And that seemed to be the same thing as not happening. Just how does that, you know, so it, is it not being faithful or, or not believing if I don't believe that this could happen, that she'd be totally recovered? Or is it not being faithful that God has this? That he's doing, he's got a plan for this and it's gonna work out. I mean, how do you pray? <clears throat> I mean, I got somewhat of an answer from our 11-year-old grandson who said, well, why don't you pray for what's best for Millie? You don't know what's best for Millie. Only God knows. And, uh, and I mean, I think he's right. So, my, you know, my prayers for her was, was what's best for her, but I also added in, you know, total recovery. <coughs> well, why not, you know? So, and so, um, I mean, how do you answer that prayer? Well, I believe that, that God is in charge of this, and I've seen improvement way past what the doctors ever predicted. I mean, it, it's still ongoing, I'm not the only one praying. I think everybody here may be praying for that. <clears throat> so I don't know what the, the final uh, verdict is on that, but I do believe that, that that's a signal that God is listening and he's doing his plan, okay? But you, so you need to pay attention to when you pray and not so easily just um, discharge something if it didn't turn out the way you wanted. Okay, so the fourth way that people uh, gain belief, gain faith, is through consensus. And this is the new one. This is only like a couple hundred years old. So you tend to believe what uh, others believe or what you're told, right? Um, <clears throat> Years ago, there's a series of experiments, and this is done over and over again, where they'll take one person, and he'll be in a room with uh, like seven other people, and it, it, that one person thinks everybody's um, doing the same test, but the seven people give the, wrong, the same wrong answer for a very, very simple test. Like, you gotta compare the length of a line and pick out three different lines, and which is the same length? Okay, and it's really, really obvious. So the first seven people picked the wrong, one, wrong answer, 
and then this new guy has to you know say what it, and it's obvious what the truth is a third of them will, will go with what the wrong answer is because everybody and they knowing it's the wrong answer when they repeat this test for the same person after about eight iterations 75% of those people say what they know is wrong. So that's consensus. That's kind of a human nature. I would like to think Christians are in the 25% that are sticking to the truth. But I, I'm not sure that's always true because we do have this thing of consensus. If everybody's kind of going along to get along. Um, and, and there are, are parts, uh, or uh, the Bible does address this, I believe. And one of, this, one of the things is sharing your faith. I mean, and, and think of it this way. If, if uh, you had eight people share their faith with one person, eventually they may get pushed to the point where they at least open their mind and heart to it, to investigate it. Okay, so that, that's, you know, in the Bible 2,000 years ago, this consensus thing was... At least the valid part of it seems to be there. Uh, also in Romans 1, 11 and 12, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. So I know there's a lot of other um, things in the Bible about the church, but this is one of the, the main purposes, I believe, for the church, to encourage each other. You get together and encourage each other. So hanging around Christians makes faith a little bit easier, but encourages your faith. <clears throat> but it, it can go too far. And let me give you just a little example of that and another personal story. I think there, there can be a big downside to this because uh, if you're in a group and everybody believes in Santa Claus, you're going to believe in Santa Claus forever, you know, because that's, that's the, the, uh, the norm. <clears throat> but for my story, you know, years ago I was in the leadership in this church and, and I saw something that, that just kind of destroyed me. I mean, it was, and, and I had, you know, I was not a babe in the woods. I'd spent 30 years in the Coast Guard hanging around sailors, right? But, <clears throat> but something that just, I could not, you know, believe was as bad as it was. And, and it just disillusioned me and discouraged me and drove me away from my faith. And I, I guess I was, I was surprised at how much it affected my faith because it's not supposed to, right? You're supposed to understand that people are people and they're flawed and your faith is in God, not in them. But it happens. You're in a church and you end up going towards that with everybody. You're, you're part of that 75%, right? Well, I did, I'd, I'd done that. And somebody told me, uh, hey, whatever you do, stick with it. Just don't, just, you know, run away and depart. <clears throat> so I hung around my small group and, and, uh, and we, you know, studied the word and, and I was encouraged. And, and, you know, I think that's what church should be about, right? So I experienced that, and uh, you know that that's kind of brought me through, but it's given me a different perspective. And I think you have to be careful, you know, that you don't put your faith in a, an organization or in other people. It's got to be in God. It's about Jesus, right? 
So let me kind of wrap this up. Let me just encourage you um, to not succumb to the idea that faith is blind, it's without reason, without proof or evidence. That lie will keep you in, into a blind faith that is weak and once you discover that, that you're wrong, you'll lose it. Okay, you're responsible for your faith. It's not handed to you or forced on you. You just you can't make it up. You're responsible to look into this and to pursue that. All right, to, to earnestly seek God and grow your faith, you need to be in the word, be in prayer, give God credit for answered prayer, regularly meet with groups to encourage each other. So let me just wrap this up with this last quote or last verse, Acts 16, 31. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. So your salvation is a gift. You can't do anything to get that, right? That's all that's given to you by uh, the grace of God. But faith is your responsibility. Okay, thank you. And you're all still awake. I'm a... <laughs>